This is actually part four. Peace be still. Storms reveal what we trust in. And where is your faith? Storms reveal what we trust in. Where is your faith? When you're in a storm, and we've all known this, we all are going to face storms. Like I mentioned before, storms are going to come, storms are going to go. If you're out of a storm right now, life is filled with storms. It's not just one storm you're done. Life is filled with storms. And when you're in the storm, all you think about is the storm. You're not thinking about the purposes of God being done in your life. You're not thinking about a whole lot other than getting through the storm. And the question I've asked myself many times, maybe you've done the same, is I've asked myself sometimes just sitting there and going through what I'm going through, how is this going to end? You know, how does this last chapter play out, Lord? How does this end? Uh, what's going to happen here? Well, I may not know how it's going to end, but as long as you've got Jesus on board, you're going to get to the other side. And that, I'm going to say a few comments about a storm. I usually put it in the message. I did just some comments I want to make about the storm and the purposes of God. You have to understand this. God's purposes are, are going to be completed in your life. It may not look like it. When you're in the storm, you're not sure you're going to live. God's purposes will be completed. Nothing can override the purposes of God as long as you keep your heart right and Jesus is on board. There's no guarantee because the issue really is keeping your heart right. A lot of people don't in the storm. We know Romans talks about loving God and all things work together for good those who love God. The actual translation is that God loves those who keep loving God. Because sometimes when calamity comes, tragedy strikes, things happen. We lose our love for God. and Things don't work out because our hearts aren't right. But the disciples, you know, they have no idea. Jesus said at the very beginning, and I'll speak about it next week. I have one more sermon to preach from this because it's just too much to make fit in there. But Jesus said from the very beginning, he said, we're going to go to the other side. That's a word of promise. Probably, I don't know, four or five months ago, I don't know what it was, but I spoke to some people in the church. I think eight of you, I gave you a word. As a pastor, I used to do, as an evangelist, I did that all the time. As a pastor, I almost never do it because you already know the people. But that day, I felt really impressed to give some people the word. So let me just say this to you about that word. That word that God gave you or I gave you... Um, it may not happen today or tomorrow. It may be years down the road. And so we get discouraged because we don't see it happen right away. It may be years down the road. But I believe if you and I will walk by faith, believe what God spoke to us, keep our hearts right, you're going to see the things God spoke to you that day. It's not right away. Jesus said we can go to the other side. He left out a whole chapter where they thought they are going to die. A whole chapter. He you guys just hop in the boat. Let's go to the other side. Great. He left out a part in their life that they, all, they think they're going to perish. And sometimes you're in some storms, deep storms. You think, man, how is this going to end? Am I going to make it out of this or not? Have you ever been there? So here's the storm. Storms would never override the purposes of God, whether it's financial, emotional, spiritual, Personal relation, it's not going to override the purposes of God. So whatever you're in, I'm trying to encourage you, whatever you're at, wherever you're at this morning, remember, Jesus said to you and I, we're going to make it to the other side. Believe that. Nothing can override the purposes of God. That storm's going to rage, and it may look like, it may appear, it may appear like, it may feel like, it may, all that may have all the appearance, we're going down, but with Jesus on board, you ain't going down. So... Remember that. As far as storms go, sometimes storms come because God has to reclaim our attention. Not all storms, but sometimes storms come to us because 
We kind of get a little crazy there, and God says, you know what? You're not really following me or following after me, and you're letting the world get the best of you. I need to get your attention. Talk to Jonah, Brother Jonah. He'll tell you about that. And God, ha- God knows how to reclaim our attention. So let's get into this this morning for a few moments, a few thoughts. <clears throat> uh, first, I will share some general thoughts at first, then I'll get to some points in a minute, probably in 15 minutes. Again, the title, Storms Reveal What We Trust In, Where Is Your Faith? Luke chapter 8, follow with me if you have your Bible. On that day, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. He said to them, let's cross over to the other side. So they started out sailing along. Jesus fell asleep. A violent storm came across the lake. The boat was taken on water, and they were in danger. Then they woke him and said, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up and ordered the wind and the waves to stop. The wind stopped and the sea became calm. He asked them, where is your faith? Frightened and amazed, they said one to another, who is this man? He gives orders to the wind and the water and the waves and they obey him. A part of it is in storms God wants to reveal to you and I who he is. That was the whole purpose of this storm. At the end of the day, I want you to understand who I am because you have the false view of me right now. After we go through this, you have a revelation. That's why the disciples said, who is this man? Well, number one, he is a man. He's God. But we'll cover that next week. So here's what's going on in this story. When you read it, the Bible says, Jesus traveled from city to city, village to village, spread the good news of the kingdom. The apostles were with him, and he cured all the disease and various diseases, cast out demons. And so Jesus is doing this with the disciples. We read it, we, we pick up, we just see like it's another day in the sun. But no, you have to understand, the disciples have been with Jesus for a good, good while, and all they've been involved is with people. You know, when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, they never imagined following Jesus would be, I'm following Jesus and I'm hanging around all these demon-possessed people. <laughs> I never thought that following Jesus meant all, we, Jesus, all we're doing is taking care of the needs of people. That's all we're doing. That's all he did, by the way. That's all. So if you're with Jesus, you say, okay, I'm going to go. And Jesus, you say, okay, here, we've got all these diseased people, and you pray for those. I could cast out some demons over here. We've got to feed the people. And that's all they were doing. When you do, that's what we call ministry. It's not just knocking on the door for an hour on a Saturday. This was pouring their lives. Jesus was pouring his lives into these people, and they're going to pour their lives into people. And when you do that, it's called ministry, and it's going to cost you. In fact, it cost the disciples so much that a number of times the disciples said, Lord, just send them away. You know, we're on about this ministry stuff. Send them away. We just want to spend time with you and read our devotional. Come on. <laughs> this is too much, man. All we're doing is praying for people, praying for people, feeding the sick. None of them were normal people. Think about it. Everyone that gathered around Jesus, most of them were people that just had needs, great needs. And there you are with Jesus. Say, man, all we're doing, man. We're, in fact, Jesus was, was going so much. He didn't have time. The Bible said he didn't have time to even eat. And it's his family thought, you're crazy. He had gone through all this time, nothing but you talk about chaotic and go, 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 go. That's all they've been doing for a good amount of time. And at this moment, finally, they, and Jesus says, you guys, let's get in the boat and go to the side. I'm sure they said right then and there, they said, that sounds like God to me. Get me out of here. This is where their disciples were at. <clears throat> Again, you're talking completely surrounded in ministry. Real ministry is helping people. It's pouring your life out to people, and it will cost you. 
more than you ever, ever realize. That's why 90% of people who start in a ministry in, in a college, they pick a ministry career. 90% of those will never finish in that career that they pick. You know why? It's just too costly. It's not what I thought. When you deal with people, all kinds of things happen. I didn't know people could do that. Oh, people, could be, they're sheep, but they got fangs. Yeah, and you think about it, 90% leave, do not fulfill the call that they started in because they said, I never imagined it would be this difficult. You know, we don't say it much, but it's very difficult in helping people. Anyone can not help people. Anyone can live a selfish life. Anyone can just think about themselves, their money, their time. Their, but to choose to help people, uh, it's very difficult. It's easy to take the position, you know, I, I tried a little bit, I did a little bit, I'm done helping people. While you're here and you name the name of Christ, I don't think we have that, I don't think we have that option. Sometimes I, I'm working with some people, and, and also I ask God, how did I end up with this guy? <laughs> I've said that a couple of times, you know, how, how, how did I end up with this person in my life? You're laughing because I said it, but you thought it. <laughs> yeah, you can read to that one. And so I said last week, what enables you to survive the storms? I said, it's pretty easy. You got to make sure Jesus is on board. You don't go a direction in your life without the direction with God taking you. People take all kinds of directions without God. And when they begin to sink, they wonder why they sink. Well, God's not in this. That was, your, that's, that was self-will that wanted to do that. This is where you wanted to go. This is how you wanted to, you never even thought about me or my purposes, so I'm not in that. And so they struggle. So you're going to survive the storms of life, but when you make sure when you're on the boat, you make sure Jesus is on the boat, and I preached on that. And you'll make it. Now here, this uh, ride on the sea, I'm sure when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, like anyone, if you've ever been in a ministry and you really get bored and you want to take some rest, you, you love that moment. You say, okay, I'm going to finally get some rest. Thank God. And finally, the disciples got some needed rest, they thought. And for a short amount of time, it was easy saving. For a short amount, they're thinking, man, finally get some rest, get away from all these demon-possessed people. They really were. And, and as, short, as time went on, a little bit later, as time went on, there became a violent storm. They've just come through a lot, and now something more. Sometimes in your life, in obeying God, you find, in your, in your obedience to God, you find, a new, you find a new battle, the next step. So here they are. They're in this place. Here's a few thoughts about storms come. Storms come because we have known what God's told us to, number one. Number two, sometimes storms, uh, they come into our life, we bring them upon ourselves. And sometimes storms come because we live in a fallen world. And sometimes form, uh, forms, like forms, for, uh, storms come because you and I live in a spiritual world. The Bible says a violent storm came up. You and I are fighting against spiritual forces, whether you believe that or not. So sometimes you are in a storm. I'll elaborate it more. When you're in a storm, it's not just weather. It's there's spiritual things at work here. It's not just a bad weather. No, behind that bad weather, there really is a force because the words that's used, I'll elaborate in a week. When Jesus rebuked the storm, it's the same words he used to cast out and hold down demons. 
In other words, this wasn't just a normal storm. This was a spiritual assault against them. So I'll save that for next week. But the Bible says we are not fighting against human beings, but against wicked spiritual forces in heavenly places. Put on the armor of God so when the evil day comes, you'll be able to resist the enemy's attacks. And after fighting to the end, you will stand and hold your ground. You and I fight a spiritual fight. Whether you believe it or not, you're in a battle. It's an unseen battle, and so sometimes we just simply think it's all flesh and blood, it's feelings, it's this, it's circumstances. Yeah, all in all, it may be sometimes, but sometimes there really is a demonic assault against your life. You know, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I don't know this, but I, in the years past, I'd go talk to Pastor Mitchell, and, and he'd tell me, he'd say, what's going on? And I'd tell him, and he'd say, you know, there's an assault against your life. I said, I don't see it. He said, of course you don't. He said, and he told me that a number of times. I said, I don't see no assault against my life. He said, yeah, there's an assault against your life. It seems like some of the people, some of the people are praying against you. I said, I didn't know people knew I was alive. <laughs> but, I, you, know, sometimes we don't, you know, sometimes we don't recognize. Others can look at us and say, you know what, brother, this ain't a normal battle you're in. So I said last week, we talked about faith. And it's a lesson they would need to learn, learn to it's really a question of trust. And Jesus asked them, why are they so afraid? And he asked them where their faith was. And I talked about faith has to be something you, you use. And Jesus said, where's your faith? They had the faith, but they didn't have the ability to, to take what they knew about God and apply it to life. And I talked about that last week. Faith is a deliberate action. It's not a feeling. When you're in a, when you're in a circumstance or a problem, it's not just, I got faith. It's going to change. No, you have to take your faith. It's a deliberate. It's an action. It's something that you actually do. It's not something that just comes on naturally. No, it's something, it's a deliberate action. That's what I spoke about. And so and there's a question here. It's a question of trust. And storms are not a mistake. Like I said, they're not a trick or a trap. And the, I think the most important thing to learn from it, not the most important thing, one thing to think about is they're not there to destroy you, but to develop you. Because even if it's in a spiritual assault, the Bible says all things work together for good. They're there. They're not going to destroy you, but they're there to develop you. So here's a few thoughts before I get to point one. Storms are real. The Bible says, and suddenly the storm comes upon them, and all of a sudden it's a great storm. It's a violent, it's a violent storm comes upon them. And here it says, and it comes suddenly. The time to develop your resources to fight the storm is not during the storm. And sometimes... We downplay people's spiritual struggles. There's, we downplay the reality of spiritual storms. People are in a situation where they really need help. They are being bombarded. They're depressed. They're discouraged. They're losing faith. And we might say, oh, well, you, you'll get over. You're going to be fine, bro. You don't understand. I'm, I'm barely hanging on. It's like we write it off, like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You don't know. No, no, no. It, it, this runs a lot deeper than what you think, bro. I'm barely making it. And so we, we have a tendency just to, that's ah, a storm. You'll be okay. You'll be fine. Some people enter a storm and they never make it out. Storms are real. And the Bible says they're sailing across it, and suddenly a storm struck, and the boat started sinking, and they were in danger. They were in real danger. 
And I said, if you don't spend time with the Lord in the calms of life, you won't know how to trust him in the storms of life. Second thought, quickly. These aren't my points, by the way. Storms hit believers. The storm hit those even though Christ was in their boat with them. Just because Christ is in your boat does not mean that you're not going to experience these terrible storms. The Bible marks out when you read it, and there were other little boats with them. Everyone on that lake that day would feel that storm. It wasn't just, just, you know, we like to read it. And the storm came, and the other little boat sank, and the storm, and the boat that Jesus was on kept smooth sailing because they were Christians. No, no. Everyone went through the storm that day on that lake. Everybody. Storm hits Christians. And just because Jesus is on your boat, you know, it doesn't mean we're magically exempted from the storms of life. Jesus is on your boat, but don't think because he is here, I'm fine. No, no, things, will, things can and will happen. Sometimes we think that we're committed to Christ because we're committed, earns a special protection. And we say, we say Lord, I'm, I'm really serving you. I'm tired. I do everything right. What's, this, what's going on? As though we're exempt just because you live for God. You're not exempt. Observe that these are, the storm hits these believers and who are, they are people that simply obeyed God. Jesus told them to get into the boat and they got into the boat. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They got in the boat. These are men and women that have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. He led them straight into the storm. He led them. So you may be here this morning right in the middle of a storm. And you know the truth is if you had stayed back on the land and not gotten in the boat, you probably wouldn't face that storm. Hear me out for just one second here. There are storms people face that are committed, the uncommitted will never face because they can't handle it. I'll share that in three weeks. And as soon as they obey, there's another round of testing. I said it. Sometimes there's some severe testing comes right after obedience. You make a new, you make it, how many, how many know when you make a decision of obedience to God in an area, you say, I'm committing to this, all of a sudden it's a battle to do it, and, or there's another battle on top of it. This is, a, this is true when people testify at a, at a baptism. This is it's so easily seen here. When people testify at a baptism, you know, we want you to testify. So what do they do? They stand up and make a declaration that they belong to Christ. God saved them. They're born again. They're washed. They've been resurrected. They've got a brand new life. They stand up and make a declaration that they now belong to God. You know what's crazy? A lot of people who get up and say that, you'll never see them again. You say, what happened? The enemy is going to challenge you. Oh, you're a Christian. Really? I'm going to test you. I'm going to see how deep your faith really is. I'm going to find out what you really believe. How quickly can I push you out of the kingdom? What can I do to discourage you? You, you, t- you? Oh, you made a declaration. You're a Christian. Oh, let me see if you really are. He knows you before you got saved, the enemy. He knows everything about you. And he knows how to push your butt. He knows the areas you're weak in. And sometimes, too often, people that testify, they may come a few services after and you never see them again. And they, and they say, I've heard people tell me, as pastor, I don't know what happened. But after I testify, nothing's been going right. Just because nothing's going right today doesn't mean it will not be right one day. They're assaulted. 
But the greatest storm in our text was not on the Sea of Galilee, but it was in the souls of the disciples. It was in the souls of the disciples, not the storm, not the water, the waves. It was happening inside. And that's usually how it is. What we see on the outside, it may be terrible, but there's a greater dimension and a greater fight going on inwardly. When you face your storm, you know what it's like. You're going through it out here, but inwardly there is a storm. There's a storm that's going on your side. It's, 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 it's a slight reflection of what's happening on the outside. It's a lot deeper. So number one, quickly, storms come to teach us how to deal with our fears, to deal with our fears. Jesus asked them, well, why are you so afraid? And if you look up the word that's used there, it has the idea, it means timid, but it means timid to the point of giving up, which is interesting. Why would it say timid or to the point of giving up? Because Remember I said the storm, they started out and for a while it was processed, it was going fine, it was going good. These are seasoned, seasoned fishermen. They've been in storms, they've been on the sea. These guys, these guys are trained, they're professionals, they know what they're doing, there's not a weak one among them, they're strong men. Okay? So here they are, it starts out smooth, they, no problem, we can handle this. And I believe when it started getting a little bit rough, they probably thought we could handle this too. We've been through storms. This is nothing new to us. We've been through storms. And so they begin to work out the storm. The water on the boat, they probably threw some of the water off the boat. Whatever you would do to keep the boat afloat during the storm, they've probably done it a thousand times. But something happens to the person when you're trying to stay afloat, but it's wave after wave that sinks you. Wave after wave. The Bible says, and waves and waves and waves and begin to sink the boat. Now it takes on another dimension because one thing, it's one thing to fight a battle once, but when you got to fight it every single moment, that's another world. That's a whole other world. When the waves of depression come and the waves of discouragement come and the waves of anxiety come, the waves of worry come, they come and they come and it wears you down. The Bible says that in the book of Daniel. It talks about the Antichrist in the last days. He said, he will speak against the Most High, and he will try to wear down the saints of the Most High. Another version says, he will speak, and he will wear out the saints of the Most High. That word wear out means to oppress, it means to wear you out, but it means to harass you constantly. We do get wore out sometimes. Paul talks about wave after wave. Think about this. Corinthians, he says, I was put in prison more often, been whipped times without number i faced death again and again five times the jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes three times i was beaten with rods i was once stoned three times i was shipwrecked once spent i once i spent a whole night at the sea and he goes on and on and on i faced dangers from rivers and from robbers i faced dangers from my own people i faced dangers in the cities and the desert and in the deserts i faced dangers from men who i thought were believers and they weren't and he goes on and on and on. You're talking about wave after wave hitting a person's life. Paul went through it. It's not just you rest me once. He went through things you and I can't even imagine. That's wave after wave. And when wave after wave hits you, you have, you have, we all have a tendency. You know what? You have a tendency. You may not do it, but you want to give up sometimes. It pushes you so much. It wears you out so much. There's nothing left in me to fight. And Jesus says, why are you guys to that point wanting to give up? I know why, because they've been trying so hard, and nothing was changing. 
I'm trying, I'm doing everything I possibly can, and this boat is still going down, Lord. That's why I want to give up. Nothing's working. Nothing's changing for me. Huh. It's crazy in the story because when Jesus speaks, he speaks to the wind and the waves, and the only one obeying him is nature, (laughs) not the disciples. If you read the book of Mark, one thing you come away with right away, you read the book of Mark, the disciples never got it. The wind and the waves got it. He just spoke one time. Nature responds to God a lot better than we do. He has speaks to us a lot more than one time. He has to say, peace be still, like three times. Gaiete, gaiete, gaiete. He says, the wind stopped, peace be still, and it stops, because he's the Lord of creation. The only one responded to him in the story is the wind and the waves, not the disciples. Number two. Well, and that first one is this. When Jesus said, where is your faith? He's wanted them to face their fears. And so my question to you is, where is your faith and why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? My son said it this morning in prayer. He said, God knows our hearts. Only God knows deep down inside of us what's what fears we, have, we really have, things we think about that we don't tell people about. But Jesus says to you and I, why are you so afraid? We don't have to be fearful. He's with us. I mean, think about the disciples. You know, this could happen. If the disciples just thought of this, if the disciples wouldn't have woke Jesus up, follow me. It would have been a ride of their lives. They weren't going to go down. If disciples didn't wake Jesus up, you can't tell me, sitters, your pastor, I'm not sure. Trust me, Jesus said, I'm going to the other side. It doesn't say, Jesus said, guys, let's go to the Sea of Galilee. We're all going to drown together. <laughs> That's not what he said. He said, we're going to go to the other side. Now he gave a word of promise. You're going to make it to the other side. I'm not telling you it won't be a storm. I'm not going to tell you it's not going to be hard. I'm not going to tell you you want to give up. I'm not going to tell you you're going to be assaulted. But we are going to make it to the other side. And so why is he so afraid? He's with us. Number two, storms often expose how we are trusting or not trusting in the Lord. One version says, he asked them, why are you such cowards? You know, and Jesus said stuff to people that people get offended if he said to today. If, if some of the men come up to me and said, Pastor, I'm ask you a question, and I said to them, but why are you such a coward? Why are you such a coward? Where's your faith? What's wrong with you? They'd, they'd go, some of them would go, honey, Pastor Chester, Chester, Pastor said, I don't have courage. He said, what's wrong with you? You know, where's your faith? He asked me, why, why am I such a coward? He said that to me. Ooh. He upset me. Ooh. You're a soldier? You're a soldier? And that bothers you? Mark, Royal Ranger guy. <laughs> he said, guys, why are you guys such cowards? Another person said it this way, because it's about trust. Where is your faith, trust, and confidence in me? Jesus wanted them to ask these, asking them a question. I want you to locate where you really have your confidence. And I'm sure the disciples up to this point 
We all know they had faith. They had trust in God. They went with him. They paid a price. They gave up their life. They served other people. They've done everything you could possibly do. And no doubt they're in this storm. And at first they thought they were fine. You know, they've known the Lord. They've known his ways. They understand all of that. But if you were to ask them, do you, do you really trust in the Lord? Everyone would say, yeah, absolutely. But Jesus is to a degree. You trust me to a degree and only to a degree. That's why he says to them, where, where is your faith and why are you so afraid? When he says, where is your faith? When he's asking them, where are you putting your trust? You're not trusting me to get you through. Where do you put your trust? And that speaks to all of us. Where do we put it? And it's in storms you discover what you rely on. Sometimes storms will force you to face what you rely on for good or bad. This storm is going to force them to face what do you really believe is going to keep you. So here's a few things. Some people put their, I call them false trust. You can call them what you want. Some people put their faith in other people. They really do more than they realize. And to me, it's astonishing sometimes how people can put more faith in people than they do God. But the problem is you put your faith in people. People, not all, but people will fail you. We all will fail other people. We're people. And if you put your faith in people more than God, they will fail you and you'll be disappointed. Well, keep some people in a trial. You know, it's not God. It's, I got other people. I got, I, I got other people going to help me out through all this. I got other people. Yeah, your faith is in other people, but not God. Psalm says, even my close friend whom I trusted, the one I shared my bread that has lifted his heel against me, is talking about Judas. Psalms 118 says, it is better to trust the Lord than put confidence in a man. And it's hard. You know, it, it's hard when, as a Christian, you grow up and you realize, Christians are people too. You know, we first get saved, we're all pretty naive. We think everyone loves each other. We really do. We say, man, they all love God. They're smiling and hugging. And... <laughs> that church full of love, Pastor. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I'm going to indict myself. But you know, I'm going to put this down. We're just people. Jesus, the Bible says, because of Jesus' miracles that he did in Jerusalem, the Passover celebration, many begin to trust in him. To trust in him because of what he's doing for them, not because of who he is. Then it says this. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about the human race, for he knew what was in each man's heart. They wanted to make him king prematurely. He said, you guys, you guys, I know you guys are singing all my praises. I know I got 30, 000, I got 30 million TikTok views. I'm the number one on TikTok, Instagram. I'm it. And that's how it was then. He was it. He was it. He was the celebrity of the hour. And Jesus said, you know what, guys? I see all what you're doing. All the praises. I'm great. Yeah, yeah. I know it's in your heart. And now is not the time to make me king. And I'm not going with your plans. What he's saying is, I trust the purpose of God over trusting men. Some other people, sometimes it goes with people, sometimes people's trust, is, and simply, it's a man, but it's, it's, it's connection. Sometimes you talk to somebody and they're waiting and their whole life is on hold because they're waiting to make a good connection someplace, some business or something. 
you think that's your, your answer is, I'm praying I got this connection, I'm going to make it, make this connection, bam, it's in, we're in, make all this money, do and the, your whole mind, your whole faith, everything is geared toward that connection. I thought I had some connections. My connections got disconnected. <laughs> but isn't that how we learn? Sometimes it's of someone's wealth. So I'm fine. I'm going through stuff, but I got money. I'm fine. And Job said it like this. <clears throat> I'll read Psalms first. Look at the person who refused to make God his fortress. Instead, he trusted in his riches and became strong through his greed. Job said, have I put my trust in money or felt secure because of my gold? I gloated about my wealth and all that I own. If I would have done this, it would be sin and deserving of judgment. Job says, I haven't put my trust in all the things you've given me. Some people, their trust, where's your faith? It's in my money. I got a big bank account. And then then that's going to bail them out of everything. Another is about making money. James says, today or tomorrow we'll go into this city, spend a year there, and carry on our business and make money. The Bible says in Proverbs, never boast about tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But some people trust is in, you know, I'm smart. I'm able to make money. You know, and I know how to work the deal. And that's where your trust is at. And another one, people trust in, if I can say this one, I'll make it short and sweet because I don't know if you like this one. Sometimes people trust in their appearance. They love their appearance, their body, their physical shape. I used to have one. <laughs> their physical shape. They ooh and all over, the, over themselves. When I used to go to the gym, it'd be sickening to see these guys. I call them the pretty boys. Ain't a lick of sweat on them. I tell them, come work out with me, I'll make you sweat. <laughs> really sweat. But pretty boy, and then he's, oh, they're just, I got an eight pack, I got a six pack. It's sickening. You're like, it's, it's, it's their God. Their bodies are God. They, they spend more time with their body than they ever would with their Bible. They're more committed to their body than the Bible. They're more committed to how they look, what they eat, than what they eat in the Word. And it goes on, you, you make the comparison and go on all day. But you have to be very, very careful because if, if your body is your God, as you sit here today, you have just aged and you can't change yet. I mentioned years ago, I had a friend that owned a nutri shop and he was a bodybuilder. And he was a very good looking man. Built, I mean, he was chiseled. I mean, chiseled, like 220, I don't know, but, but 13% or 9, maybe 10% body weight, I mean, uh, fat. Uh, he was chiseled, big guy. And then he got, he got, a, he got a, a poison. He got... Uh, it was uh, poison from fish or something. Mercury poison, that's what it was. And he withered down to nothing. He withered down to a normal man. And I saw him in the process. And I said, hey, can I talk to you? He said, yeah, Gary. He said, what happened? He told me his whole story. He said, I got real sick. I couldn't work out no more. I said, what's the biggest battle someone like you? I've never looked like that. Wish I could, but I can't. I'm not gonna spend the time to look like that. I said, "What's the biggest battle you've gone through in all this time?" He said, "Honestly, my body was my image. My body was me. People knew me from my body. They didn't know me." He says, "When I lost my body, 
Cuba forgot I was a person. They forgot it inside this body that's no longer what it was is a person. He said, people forgot that about me. And I felt like, who am I? You better find yourself before that. Because you're valuable whether you look pretty today or not so pretty tomorrow. Today, you have to use a little makeup. Tomorrow, you have to use a whole can. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you used to spend two minutes in the mirror, now you're like 30 minutes in the mirror, an hour in the mirror. That's a, question, that's a mystery of the kingdom. Why do women spend so much time in the, in the bathroom? It's one of the mystery, great, great mysteries. And the great mystery for the guys would be, why, why don't you spend more time in the bathroom? <laughs> Get ready, boy. One time I walked out, and, my, and okay, Hannah was there. I was walking around the house. At my house, it's my house, right? And I don't care how I look, my care, but not really. And my hair was all up. I got some hair, believe it or not. It was all up, I guess because of the electricity in the air, whatever. And Hannah goes, Tata. Please, please, you got to do something about that hair. No, ser- I'm serious, Tata. Go, go look at yourself in the mirror. You got to do something about that hair. Not at what you're looking, Tata. The Bible says in Proverbs, charm and grace are, decept- uh, are deceptive. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, obeys, serves, trusts him with an all-filled respect, she shall be praised by others. Men respect women who share, show less than more. And women don't even understand that. They think, oh, nobody gets much attention, they got to show everything. That's the opposite of, of men. The most modest is the one that guys are attracted to. And I don't know why people show their body to the world anyway. I don't get that. The Bible says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Listen to this. Man. Listen to this. Um, here's the, here it is. Ecclesiastes says, Remember your creator when you're young. Before the days, the trouble comes and your years catch up with you. Say catch up with you. They're going to catch up to all of us. There's no mechanism known to man in science that will stop aging. And some women, if they age, they'll be so depressed. So what happened to me? You aged. You're 18. Now you're 45. You're not the same. Different locations and stuff. Okay. The years will catch up to you, and they will make you say, I found no pleasure in life. You put your trust in the wrong place. Then it continues. Your body will grow feeble. Your teeth will decay. You looking forward to life? <laughs> your eyesight will fail. You'll be afraid to climb a hill. It's like I'm reading my life right here. I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. I take that back. He, he runs up the hill fast. No, he'd be afraid to climb a hill or walk down the road. Your hair will turn white. Do you think I should dye my hair with some, uh, some black, shoe polish black? I told someone one day, I'm going I'm to wear some dreadlocks up in here. <laughs> what happened to Pastor? I went to Jamaica, man. <laughs> Who cares? And this is this. You, you will feel lifeless. There's about 20 of us that can go, that's me. That's me. <laughs> the rest of you are too young. You don't, you don't, you don't know what lifeless is. 
You start getting older, you're lying in bed, and you gotta, you gotta go pee. And if you're an old person, like, that's a big thing. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm gonna get up. I don't, I don't wanna get up. I don't wet the bed, but I don't wanna get up. And a big battle right there. Do I get up? Do I get up? I don't wanna get up. 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 And you get up and you go pee and you lay back down. Ten minutes later, I gotta go pee again. <laughs> Shoot. The devil is a liar. <laughs> it literally says, you will feel lifeless and drag along like an old grasshopper. <laughs> Some of the brothers can look at each other and say, hey, old grasshopper, what's up? <laughs> Don't say that. The guys get offended, man. You each will go to your eternal home. Our bodies return to the earth to the life-giving breath and returns to God. John says it like this, because those are false things or all those things I've mentioned briefly is their idols we trust in. And we're in that storm. Jesus said, where are you going to put your trust? John says, little children, guard yourself from idols. Guard yourself from idols. Jeremiah says, you want to boast, you want to brag, you want to carry on. But let the one who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows and acknowledges me and honors me as God. And recognize without, without me, I am the Lord your God, those who practice loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. In these things I delight, says the Lord. The Lord says, if you're going to boast, boast that you know the Lord. Whether it's money, riches, felt wealth, body, whatever, it fades, it's all going to fade. What's eternal is our relationship with God and what we do for God. I'm going to end it there. I wasn't going to, but I'll save the next part of next week. Let's bow our heads this morning if we can.